If you have your Bible, go with me to uh, Ruth chapter 1 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. Uh, as we celebrate uh, Mother's Day, and uh, really it's a, an opportunity for really for us just to pause and, and thank the Lord for the individual or uh, ladies that he's put in our lives that have blessed us. And so this morning, I just want to say thank you to those individuals for your investment. And uh, it's exciting this morning to think about as you pause and, and look back over your life. Yes, part of it has been your mom, and then there's been a lot of other people that have saw something in you, said something to you, encouraged you, uh, gave you a hug when you needed a hug, um, looked at you in the classroom and said, hey, you can make it. Uh, I believe in you. You can do this. And so all of us, as we pause this morning, just to think about what, who was that person? What do they look like? What's their name? Um, to say thank you for their investment uh, that they had in our lives. I mean, it's easy sometimes just to go uh, get the flowers or do those things, but it would be interesting for you to think about maybe someday somebody's going to be thinking about you. And what are they going to be thankful for about you as they celebrate Father's Day, Mother's Day, grandparents, what would they be thankful for to you, for who you are? As I thought about that, I, I asked myself this question. Have you ever wondered what happened in their lives to make them the person that you know? Do I really know what it was like for my mom? What was her life like so that I can celebrate who she is? What did it look like for her as a little girl, growing up in a small town, growing up in a, with, with her father, Leo Haney. What did that all look like? And then meeting dad, and now the two of them, you know, and there's in their, well, part of their story, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but my dad was um, a cop in Bern, and so he drove over to Bluffton, and at that point, mom had a friend, and, you know, dad really didn't like that whole concept. So anyway, he, he drove over to Bluffton. Well, mom's friend was going to try to run my dad out of town. Well, obviously that didn't work. He lost out and dad got mom and the way we go in history. Um, but that's kind of a little, the funny story of who I, what was that all like for them? I mean, and then being married and, you know, having us kids or four of us and, you know, what sacrifices did she make? Do I, do I think about that? Uh, and so what crisis did she have to go through to say, you know what, these are things that have made character qualities in my mom. And so this morning, I want to take you to the book of Ruth. And I realized this morning that some of you have walked in here and you've had a great week and life is really, really good. And other people walked in here in the middle of a crisis. Life isn't good. I was talking to one of the guys uh, first hour after church and life isn't good for them right now. And they're in the middle of a crisis. And so the struggle of what that's going to look like for them. But this morning, are you a person who is defined by a crisis? By that I mean that you're using, or you have the opportunity to use an excuse that happened in your past to say, well, I am the way I am today because of that. Or are you one of those people who have been through a crisis and now you look back and you realize that you become a better person because of the crisis. Will you be defined by it? Or as you're going to look, get a chance to look at Ruth, 
and obviously we're not going to go through all of the book of Ruth, their life is in a crisis. So if you have your Bible, go to to Ruth chapter uh, 1. So Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth chapter 1. And they're in a a crisis. As you pick up in chapter 1, a little background, Naomi and her husband chose to, to, to leave Israel and go to to Moab, and they're going to live there. They have two sons. Uh, their two sons are going to get uh, married. Her husband's going to pass away. And her life in Ruth chapter 1, as you pick up Ruth chapter 1, Naomi's life is upside down. It's in a crisis. Her boys are gone. Her husband's gone. Now what does she do? She's a widow with two, two daughters-in-laws. What's the next step for her? So she makes a decision that she's going to go back to Israel. And I want you to look at uh, in Ruth chapter 1, I want you to look at these words, okay? In verse 13, uh, would you therefore wait until they're grown? So there's a whole little discussion going on back and forth between her daughter-in-law and her that maybe, she, you know, the, the daughters say, well, we'll wait to, for you to have another son and then we'll marry them. And she says, no, daughters, uh, for it, it's exceedingly bitter for me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. What I want you to see in, in verse 13 is the crisis. One thing that Ruth did not think about and Naomi did not think about is the sovereignty of God in a crisis. The sovereignty of God in a crisis. You get a chance to see the rawness, and I don't know if you've ever been through a crisis, but most of the time when you go through a crisis, you ask this question, Lord, where are you? God, why are you doing this? God, are you still here? And so this morning, as you open up the Word of God, and as, you're, as we're celebrating Mother's Day, and what I want to encourage you is we're going to walk through some scriptures, is all of you are going to face crisis. All of you are going to face situations where you're going to stop and say, God, where are you? God, I don't understand. And in the midst of all of that, there's this whole plan of the sovereignty of God. God will always be with you in a crisis. God will never be upset with you if you ask him why. He will never be upset with you if you're angry at him. That's all normal, natural emotions. I don't go to the scriptures anywhere and read, well, you know what? These people thought it would be a whole lot of fun to enjoy crisis, and so they got excited about it. That's not what happened. They were saying, God, what is going on? And God said, I'm going to walk you through something so you know that I'm here, and that I'm powerful, and that I have a plan for your life. And so as you pick it up there, you, you'll see uh, in verse 15. So go down a little bit farther in verse 15 of chapter 1. And she, and she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back from here. So now Ruth and Naomi are going to have this conversation. See, your sister-in-law went back to her people, her gods. Return with your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. It's interesting that the Moabite woman is telling the Jewish lady, say, hey, by the way, whoever your God will be, will be my God. I will choose that God. I will choose your people. I will go where you go. And then she's not, she's not going to want to be separated. So in the midst of the crisis, as you look in, in Ruth chapter 1, 9 through 18, and we're not going to go through all that, but I want you to see um, something. You, you, I got ahead of my, my slideshow. You got the marriage. Uh, you have the crisis. 
And then I want to share this with you. I had some time with Kevin um, Roberts. Uh, Has it been about, how many years has it been since his kidney's been removed? Has it been three years? Two years? Somewhere in there, two or three years ago, Kevin was, Kevin Roberts was diagnosed that they need to remove one of his kidneys. And I have written on the, the door of my office these words. And I don't know if this specifically came from your father, but you know I wrote it down and I've kept it. And so I'm giving him the credit for it. So um, it could be his or not his. I don't know for sure. But these are the words that I heard your father say after he came back and recovered from surgery. When you're in the, when you're in the boat with Jesus, two things can, you can be sure of. The boat won't sink and the storm won't last forever. So you'll need to stay in the boat, take a deep breath, slow down, and ask for directions. And so this morning, if you're in a crisis, I want to take you through some scriptures. Now, these are things that I've thought about, okay? Partly because I've been through crisis, and so I kind of know what that is for an individual. And partly is just as I sat with the scriptures this week, these verses just kind of came to my mind. And so I said, well, what about this and what about this? So where I want to start with, what I want to do is, is, I want to give you some scriptures that will help you in crisis or in a normal day. You know one day it will be you that people will be remembering. And so how you navigate crisis will also be determined how your legacy will be remembered. So what you do in the difficult times are what people are going to watch and say, hey, I want to show you, see, see that in them. So the first thing, uh, take your Bible and go with me to Psalm 119. The first thing that I want to share with you is continue with a heart that is teachable even when you're hurting. Continue with a heart that is teachable even when you're hurting. So go to Psalm 119 with me. Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. Psalm 119, 9. Okay, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. Verse 11, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So if I'm going to continue with the Lord in a heart that's teachable, there's a couple things that I want to show you. Go back to verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So the psalmist is writing to us saying, you want to guard your way? Know the scriptures. So as we celebrate the people in our lives, as, as if there's one thing that I know about a mom is they have a passion to guard their children. You cannot say something about their student and them, and them most likely in a negative way, and they're most likely not going to walk up to you and say, you know what, I agree with you. Okay, Most likely that's not as going to happen. Most likely you will never scold their child and they will smile at you and say thank you at the end of it, okay? 
Most likely, when anybody says something negative about their child, something happens inside of that woman like she's going to take you out. That is not going to take place. And, it, and it's no respecter. You know, it could be on, the, on a ball field and, and, the, and the coach says this, and there's something about mom saying, hold on a second. They're not going to talk about my kid that way. They shouldn't have said it that tone of voice or whatever, okay? There's something about a mom, and probably the person that you are thinking about say, hey, I want to say thank you to this person for investing in me. You know what they probably did? They probably used the scriptures well in their lives to say, hey, I want to guard my way based on the scriptures. I want to allow the scriptures to be a guiding force in my life. Something else that's interesting, if you go to, back to Psalm 119, go down to verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. Now, I realize that we live in a, in a crazy generation. And the ladies of our lives are probably as busy or busier than it's ever been before. So I just want to say something to us. And not just to the women, but to us, to all of us. What does it look like for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart in the busyness that you live? How do we do that well? How do we balance? Lord, I need some time with you in order to love the people that are around me with my whole heart. To love you, God, I want to know you. Now see, remember, most of us are probably in or going Go, coming out of or going into some type of situation that we don't like. Some type of crisis is going on in our world. And so there's not a natural to say, you know what, I, God, why are you doing this? Instead of saying, God, what do you want me to know in this? Where do you want me to see you in this? God, I want to seek you with my whole heart. I don't want to wander from your commands. I want to invest in our relationship. So I was listening to Susan talk the other day with one of, the, one of the students, and what you worship, you can be de- determined by your time trail. Your time trail identifies what you worship. Your time trail identifies what you worship. How much time did you give Jesus this week? How much time did you sit with the Scriptures? Here's something else that's really interesting. Go back down to verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I was thinking about storing up, you know, God's word in our heart. I remember that verse as a little kid. I've, you know, in my translation, I remember, I've hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So I was thinking about moms. So I know something is true of all of the ladies in this building today. There's one area in your kitchen that you have designed that for storage, Right? So that means if we eat food and there's leftovers, there's one cabinet that you have. I'm pretty sure you don't have these in there, but something like Tupperware to keep your food in so that if you want to eat leftovers, and I don't know how much Tupperware you have, uh, so if you might have enough Tupperware for two weeks of leftovers, I don't know. I just know you have a cabinet. My problem with the Tupperware cabinet is I can never find the lid to the Tupperware. That's my problem. And so then I'll get out something, and then Susan said, well, it's right there. Didn't you see it? No, I did not see it. I didn't know it was right there. Okay, so that's this. Can I just ask you, 
how much Tupperware do you have of the Scriptures? How much Tupperware, how much of the Scriptures have we hidden in our hearts so we say, you know what? You're passionate who I am, God. And I want to hide your word in my heart so that I'm not just wandering around anywhere. I'm not just buying, buying into any little, oh, that's shiny, let's jump over there. Oh, that looks fun, let's go over here. Oh, that, let's try that out. Well, the world says this. No, I've had, I don't need the shiny. I have the scripture. Because I've stored it inside of who I am. Here's the, the last thing out of this one. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. What's the last thing the Lord has taught you? What's the last thing that you said, wow, Lord, I, I see that. In, oh, I've learned this. Can we remember? What does that look like for us? And so as we navigate where we are, as you think about the crisis, these are just some scriptures that you can say, you know what? Lord, I'm going to continue with you. My heart's going to be teachable even though I'm hurting. Lord, I'm going to guard my ways according to your word. I'm going to seek with my whole heart. I'm going to store up treasures. I'm going to store up your word in my heart. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Number two, guard your heart as the wellspring of your life. You don't have to turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, but I just want to encourage you with it this morning. Every single one of you sitting in this room, you need to guard your heart. Because if you don't, you're going to be out here way off to the left or way off to the right thinking, you know what? I just really need to be happy. But you know what we're teaching the people that want to remember your life? I'll just enjoy life. There's one thing that I can say about my mom growing up in her home that she was not a priority. She chose not to make herself a priority. Somewhere, either sitting in church or her and dad having conversations or her praying or whatever, I don't know how she did it with four of us because we all four of us were a handful. Not one of us was one of those, well, there's one of them. Troy was the goody two-shoes. He never got in trouble. You know, the rest of us, we were in all kinds of mischief. The other three, we were in all kinds of mischief. But mom somehow guarded her heart and said, you know what, I'm going to keep serving my kids. I'm going to keep loving my kids. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to make sure that they're at this thing. I'm going to do this. She didn't buy into everything else that all of everybody else was doing. You know what else was very interesting? She did things totally opposite that her twin sister. My mom had an identical twin sister. And they used to, whatever class at school mom was good at, that Janet was not good at, mom would go to Janet's class, and the teacher couldn't tell them apart. So they would rotate classes to make sure that the other one got better grades. That's how it worked. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, my towns, when I, when I grew up, there was 3,000 of us there. So there's, there was less than that when my mom was there. Okay, so... Mom didn't even, even after that, she, she kind of went, and Janet kind of went that direction, and she got married to Stan, and Mom got married to Dad, and they kind of went in totally, totally different direction. We were still best friends. We loved hanging out with our cousins, but spiritually and life and church was totally different directions, totally different. Totally different types of churches, totally different relationships. My mom said, nope, I'm going to guard against making sure that I'm happy. Here's another one I want you to see. Take your Bible and go to Psalm 
18. Psalm 18. So just go to the left in your Bible, Psalm 18. What would you consider to be the fortress of your life? What is the fortress of who you are? Where do you go when life gets crazy? Where do you run? So in Psalm chapter 18, you got this guy by the name of David who's been delivered by, from the Lord with a, a, a couple of different things, Saul, and he, saw, he killed the lion and the bear and Goliath and all these other things. But I want you to read David's words to you, Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This morning, I just want to say to you, allow the Lord to be the fortress of your life. Lord, I choose you. Jesus, I choose you to be the fortress of my life. I was sitting in prison two weeks ago talking to one of the inmates, and we were talking about some sporting event, and the, and the guy says, we, you know, they, they have an area that they can watch some TV, but I don't, I've never seen that area. I just hear about it. I don't know where exactly where it is. But they said something I thought was really interesting to, to me the other day. They said, you know, we don't respect any person that this says, you know what, we just want to thank God because we won. Do you remember them? I don't know if you were in that conversation with us. They get excited when they hear this. We want to thank Jesus for what he did in allowing us to win the game. They're not interested in God. They're interested in Jesus because they could be, somebody could be standing up and say, oh, yeah, we believe in God. Which God? How many gods? Where? But when somebody stands up publicly and says, you know what? My fortress is in Christ and in Christ alone. Those guys get excited. And so this morning, Is Christ and Christ alone your fortress? Is he your rock? Is he the one that says, you know what? I'm going to place my stability and my security in Christ. I'm going to say to the Lord, Lord, Jesus, it's you that I take refuge. I don't know if you realize this this morning, but I was looking at Walvert and Zuck, and they kind of put it this way. To take refuge in the Lord is far better than hiding in any mansion or fortress that has been made by man. Is that who Christ is for you this morning? The deliverer. Jesus, I saw you do this in my life. I saw you change this scenario. I was telling first hour, I'll never forget being in Mexico. We had this old bus that this guy had kept running. He would redo the motor and and he would he would fix it and repair it and say, okay, now we're going to Mexico. So when I was a kid in Indiana, we rode on a bus from Indiana all the way to Mexico City. No air conditioning, just windows and away we went and so we're getting ready to leave mexico city and they decided to drive all night long and my dad was the bus driver and pastor jim was with us and so they were going to alternate through the night who was going to drive the bus but there was something that was interesting our bus did not have a big bumper to defend itself from the cattle that were walking across the road and so I didn't think nothing of it, but I just said, well, you know, whatever. Everybody else has that, but we don't have it. So dad starts driving. So I go sit up front with dad, and we're just talking back and forth, and eventually I fall asleep. And so then I wake back up, and I said, dad, how are we doing? He said, you know what? It's been amazing. 
this semi just showed up out of nowhere. And I didn't really know where I was going anymore because we didn't do very well understanding kilometers and we didn't do very well understanding when you're driving past this, uh, a sign that's written in Spanish, what direction are you supposed to go? But didn't do, we didn't have GPSs back then. We didn't have a phone to just say, go in this direction. We didn't have any of that. So I said, Dad, where are we? He says, I really don't know. I said, well, how's everything going? We're doing really, really well. And then the next thing we know, the semi disappears. And there's the American border. And I was like, huh. Now, not everybody in the bus saw that. Everybody heard about it, but nobody, not everybody saw it. Just Dad. Was it really like God, Jesus is saying, you know what? I want, I want Bob Patterson to know that I can be his deliverer that I can rescue him. Oh, my dad can drive a bus anywhere. But coming out of Mexico City, he didn't know where to go. So he went in this direction. When was the last time Jesus delivered you? Where did you see it? Here it is. Maybe it's not as big as a bus or leaving Mexico, or just little, hey, thank you, Jesus, for this. The next thing that I want you to see is in Romans chapter 8. So take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 8. <coughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Knowing that at times in our lives that crises can really turn us upside down or cause us to struggle or frustrate us or break us. Or there might be a decision that you made in the past that you said, you know what, that, that's really bad. But I just wanted you to know something this morning. Paul's words to you, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no shame this morning. And so wherever you have been or wherever you're going, it's not like your Father in Heaven saying, you know what? I remember. No, there's no condemnation. There's no dirty looks. There's no second looks. There's no eyebrows down looks saying, you know what? I remember what you did. Yeah, but I was only 10. Yeah, but I remember. No, no, that's not how it works. So wherever we're coming from this morning, And wherever we're going to end up, whatever crisis, whatever question we ask, whatever feeling that we have, there will never be a time that you look Jesus in the face and he's like, you know what, I'm disappointed in you. No. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And there's another thing that I want you to see, and this is important. If if people are going to be thankful for our lives, we have to grab a hold of Scripture and say, okay, here it is. I want to live a life that, you know what, I'm not looking back. You can say whatever you say, but my Jesus isn't saying, you know what? I mean, you're a disappointment. And there's another thing that you need to see in Romans chapter 8. Drop down uh, to verse um, 37. God's word to you this morning. Knowing all these things, you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things in present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate separate you from his love for you. Allow that to affect who you are today. Stop looking around and say, oh, what about this? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what it's like, but, you know, the difference for you ladies today, but I know if, if something happens in a man's world, if we get into an argument or whatever, we can go home and eat ice cream and it pretty much be okay. I mean, that's just kind of how God's made us. Um, but that's not the truth for you. That's just not the way God made you. And so what would it look like for you today to sit down as a lady and say, you know what, I want to, to, to really think about what it means to be loved by Jesus. One thought I had, because I realized that you ladies are extremely busy, you realize that you will never have to make Jesus happy? You don't have to do anything today for Jesus to say, you're important to me. He chose you. You will never walk into a room when you're with Jesus and ever look around and see what everybody else is doing. Or in your world, whatever outfits everybody else is wearing. Do I do I fit in my outfit wise? I, Sunday morning is the worst day of the week for me because I have to choose an outfit to wear to church. So I'm just like, just let's wear jeans and a t-shirt for crying out loud. Let's just go and worship. Who cares what, what it looks like on the outside? I never walk into a room worrying if I match or not. Like I go, I come home from in the morning. She's like, you wore that to the office today? Yeah, whatever. It was comfortable. It's like, doesn't match. I'm like, oh, well, doesn't match. No condemnation in Christ. Prepare your minds for action. First Peter chapter one. And First Peter chapter one. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that has been brought to you at the revelation of Christ. I want to encourage you to prepare your minds for action. Be sober. Know enough that uh, know enough Bible so that when the circumstances of life get crazy, there's something inside of you saying, you know what? I'm gonna be okay. There's the truth of God's word down in, oh, whatever. I'm controlled by you, God. I know who you are. And so whatever the circumstance, whatever it looks like, I know who you are. And then the, and then the last thing that I want you to see this morning is the world can neither give you value or take value from you. But it's also important in saying that to know what is valuable. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, do not let the adorning of your external, the braiding of hair, putting on of gold and jewelry and clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. It's not the outside, ladies. And I know that you live in a society that everything is mostly about the outside, but God wants you to know this morning it's the inside 
the gentle and the quiet spirit, which is precious in God's sight. So we've paused this morning to be, to think about the women who invested in our lives. And we really need to tell them thank you. A text message, a card, whatever that looks like. However you want to do that, okay? But probably something that you really need to think about is, is the people that you would like to say thank you to are people that were probably doers of the word and not hearers only. Because I'm pretty sure they've been through crisis. And I'm pretty sure that their life has been upside down. And I'm pretty sure that they have issues. And I'm pretty sure that they've been broken. And I'm pretty sure they don't have it all figured out. But somewhere along their life, they said, hey, these are the things, these are the verses that I'm going to use and I'm going to cling to and I'm going to hold on to. And no matter what the world says and no matter what the circumstances look like, I'm going to choose to cling to these things. And probably the people that we're most thankful for are the people that cling the most to Jesus Christ. Somewhere as they went through the book of 2 Corinthians and they heard Paul cry out to God, God, if you just remove this thorn in the flesh, I'll serve you. God, if you just take this thing away, I'll be better. And then God said, my grace is sufficient in you. Because my power is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. If there's one thing that's true about my life, I have found that when my mom clings to the strength of Jesus, it changes her life. And I want that to be a characteristic of who I am. That it's Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. I'm clinging to you, Jesus. In a world that's going to say a lot of things about Jesus, it's going to reject Jesus, I'm choosing. So, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to spend some time with some friends brothers and sisters in Christ, people that live in Highlands County, some that have come in just to be with their family over Mother's Day. Thank you for this gift. But Father, may, it, may we actually think about, okay, this is why I love my mom. This is why I like this person. But Father, what do I want so-and-so to see in my life one day? What do I want to be remembered for? So, Father, may you help us as sons and daughters, people that gather at church and say that we love you, Jesus, that we would be passionate about you, Jesus, that we would hide your word in our heart, that when we're broken, we would be okay, that we would be willing to guard our heart in a world that's just messy. that we would choose to run to the fortress in whose name is Jesus. That we wouldn't put our confidence in men, but we would put our confidence in you. Father, I think there's people sitting in this room that live in condemnation. And I pray that you'd set them free. I pray that they would accept your love for them. And Father, we would be prepared to not to buy into the lies of the world, but to be different, to be set apart, because you are our Father. So we thank you for our time together. May we enjoy our family today, enjoy the people that we love. But most of all, Jesus, may we honor you. In your name I pray, amen.